Welcome to this edition of Head to Head. I'm your host, Cam McKinney, and this is episode number 268 of the podcast. And on this episode, I'm talking about one of the teams in the NBA that has had a noisy offseason, the Houston Rockets. It started with the Rockets hiring former Celtics head coach Ime Udoka, who in one year with the team brought them to the NBA Finals. But last offseason was suspended and eventually let go due to an off-court scandal. We are about to find out how good of a head coach Udoka really is. Was he good just because he had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two top 20 players in the league, or is he the real deal? Will he bring that same defensive identity that was on the Celtics to the Houston Rockets? Then during free agency, the team made two big signings. Former Raptors point guard Fred Van Fleet signed a three-year, $133 million contract with the Houston Rockets. He has career averages of 14.6 points per game, 5.3 assists, 3.3 rebounds, and he's a career 37% three-point shooter. I like Van Fleet a lot. He's an all-star caliber point guard for my money. He takes too many three-point shots, and he's never been the best player on a team. He's played with the likes of Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam in Toronto and maybe he won't have to be the guy in Houston they have Jalen Green who was the one bright spot last year with the team in his sophomore year average 22 points per game shooting close to 34% from free but when you give a guy this much money he has to produce worst case scenario is that this contract becomes like the Tobias Harris contract with the Philadelphia 76ers a good player getting vastly over overpaid. This is the kind of money that you give to a top five point guard in the league and Fred Van Fleet for me just isn't that just yet. Maybe he could turn into that but I think that's asking an awful lot. He basically has to to justify this enormous contract. The other big signing the Houston Rockets made was signing guard Dylan Brooks to a four year $85 million deal. I don't love this deal either. I see the upside. He's a good defense Defensive player, but offense is the problem. You might be thinking, why would the Rockets be spending this kind of absurd money on two non superstars? Well, the reason is the new CBA demands teams to spend a certain amount of the cap. The Rockets had to spend money on someone, and these are the guys they picked. They had to give that money away, basically. And Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks were the players that were available during free agency. Houston clearly doesn't want to trade away its young core to get a superstar player at this point, so they would rather give the money to Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks, two good players, but they're now paying them like they're great players. For Brooks, he has career averages of 14.5 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. He's a career 34% shooter from the three-point line, and he irritated many with his antics last season. Maybe a change of scenery will do Dylan Brooks great because whatever what was going on in Memphis wasn't right. I mean, that team fell apart. You have the whole John Moran situation. Then you had the whole Dylan Brooks situation on the court. That team needed something different. So I feel like it's good for both sides to be breaking up. But I do believe this is a big overpay 
by the Houston Rockets. Dylan Brooks is not a game-changing player, and when you give $85 million away to somebody, they better be that. As much as I'm not a super fan of these moves, I do prefer the Rockets making these kind of signings than going back in and getting James Harden for a second time. That was a rumor all season long that the Rockets were going to be bringing back James Harden, and that would have been insane. James Harden is a top five player in Houston Rockets history. He went to that team, he got that max contract, and he played like an MVP candidate every year he was with Houston. He is no longer that guy. James Harden has become radically inconsistent. There are nights where he looks like the old James Harden, and then there are nights where he looks like one of the worst players in the league. I mean, he disappeared at points during the Boston Celtics in the NBA playoffs. The only reason the team would be bringing him back is to please their fan base and for them to have a superstar player. James Harden is a big name, but his game isn't as big as it used to be. It's also impossible to read what James Harden wants from a basketball team anymore. Does he want to play with other superstar players and get a chance to win a ring, or does he want to be paid a boatload of money? It feels like he can't decide, so Houston would have been a bad option for both sides. I'm happy it looks like for now that James Harden is not coming back to the Houston Rockets. It makes absolutely no sense for this franchise to bring back James Harden, and I loved Harden when he played with the Houston Rockets. I don't love James Harden now. If you look through the history of the Houston Rockets, they have always been an interesting basketball team. They, of course, won back-to-back titles in the 90s, and I know people will say if Michael Jordan was there, that would not have happened. Well, guess what? It did happen, and that's a big part of NBA history. We all remember Hakeem Olajuwon, the dream, winning those NBA finals, being the best post-big men in the entire history of the league. They also had Kenny the Jet Smith. They brought in Clyde Drexler. They were one of those teams that dominated in the 90s. I mean, if you win back-to-back finals, you're one of those it teams, and they were that. They beat the Orlando Magic, and they beat the New York Knicks. And that team had a superstar player in Akeem Olajuwon, and then had some really great role players that we all remember. Sam Cassell won back-to-back finals with the Houston Rockets. That was when he was a rookie. Then you had Robert Ory, who of course went on to win the NBA Finals numerous times with the San Antonio Spurs and the LA Lakers. And this offseason isn't the first time the Houston Rockets have made big splashes. Before, they formed one of the first super teams in NBA history. In the 90s, they had Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Scottie Pippen, and Charles Barkley all on the same team, and it didn't work out. Nobody remembers that that even happened. Charles Barkley was with the Houston Rockets for a while, but there are some people who don't even remember Scottie Pippen was a member of the Houston Rockets. He went there right after the Chicago Bulls broke up. He was only there for about a season, and then he ended up on the Portland Trailblazers. That superstar team never happened, and that's maybe why it took a while for other teams to be like, we should form a super team. It took the Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat happening for teams to go, oh, we should just get a bunch of superstars and put them together, because in the 90s, it didn't work out with the Houston Rockets. And then when I started to watch basketball, they had the perfect duo, Yao Ming, a 
seven-foot center who could do everything. He could shoot the mid-range. He could attack the basket relentlessly. He is one of the most talented passing big men I've ever seen. And they had shooting guard Tracy McGrady, who will go down as one of the most talented players to play in the league. He was a scoring champion. So why didn't that work out? Why didn't Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming lead the Rockets to multiple NBA championship titles? Well, I believe the ultimate reason is because neither of those players remained healthy. They didn't play enough games together to make that push and be that team to make the NBA Finals. They would consistently make the playoffs, but by the end of the season, both of them went through injury-riddled years and couldn't make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals for that matter. Yao Ming in particular is just one of those really generationally talented big men that just couldn't remain healthy. The likes of Ralph Sampson, another Houston big man, Bill Walton. There are those guys who are thought of as all-time greats, but they just couldn't consistently be on the court. If Yao Ming could play in 75 to 80 games a year with Tracy McGrady also playing that number of games, I do believe that Houston Rockets team would have been more memorable, that we would still be talking about them. But sadly, that didn't happen, and now they're more of an afterthought. Both of those players are Hall of Famers, don't get me wrong, but we're not looking back fondly at the days when Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady were together. And that gets us to the James Harden years, where all the Rockets were trying to do was to pair Harden with another superstar player. They brought in Dwight Howard, even though it didn't work out with Kobe Bryant. I do believe that's crazy that the Rockets thought that that was going to work out, because look at what happened with Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant. Dwight Howard was never able to fit in with another star player. Dwight Howard had his best years in Orlando when the best player on the team was Dwight Howard. He clearly wanted to be an alpha of an NBA team. So the thought that he was going to share the court with Kobe Bryant, that didn't work, and then James Harden was absolutely insane. And I agree with many people out there. I see it all the time online that Dwight Howard has now become underrated. That's absolutely right. He was a dominant player player when he was with the Orlando Magic, but his years with the Lakers and Rockets were not memorable and failures. And then they paired James Harden, a ball-dominant guard, with two of the most ball-dominant guards of this decade, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. Now, it worked a lot better with Chris Paul. The Houston Rockets almost beat the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, and they would have if Chris Paul remained healthy, but that didn't happen. So the Rockets only made it to the Western Conference Finals, not the NBA Finals. We would feel very differently about James Harden and Chris Paul if they had made it to the NBA Finals and beat the Golden State Warriors. We wouldn't look at them as playoff losers. I mean, so many people make fun of James Harden for his playoff missteps. He was so close to making the NBA Finals and beating an all-time team in the Golden State Warriors that at the time had Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. He almost beat them with just one all-star teammate in Chris Paul. For the longest time when I was watching basketball, you could bank on the fact that the three teams from Texas, the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Dallas Mavericks would all win 50-plus games during the regular season and be a major threat come postseason time. It used to be a badge of honor if you could beat the Texas Triangle. I remember when the 2008 Celtics that went on to win the NBA 
NBA Finals did it. They beat the Dallas Mavericks, led by Dirk Nowitzki, the San Antonio Spurs, led by Tim Duncan, and the Houston Rockets, led by McGrady and Yao Ming. It was a big deal that the Celtics beat those teams back-to-back-to-back. Nowadays, if you beat those teams back-to-back-to-back, it means absolutely nothing because the Dallas Mavericks have a generational talent in Luka Doncic that they don't know what to do with. The San Antonio Spurs have been awful, and so have the Houston Rockets for the last two seasons. For the Rockets, the minute they lost James Harden, they became irrelevant. Now, the Rockets are obviously going to be better than last season. They won only 22 games. Are these moves enough to turn them into a 40-win basketball team that could potentially make the play-in tournament? Absolutely. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. What is them making the postseason and avoiding the play-in tournament? They're just not there yet. The development of this team as good is not going to come down to Van Fleet and Brooks. Those guys are established. It's going to come down to their young talent, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., who last year averaged 12.8 points per game and 7.1 rebounds, and Kelly Porter Jr., who averaged 19.2 points per game, 5.7 assists, and 5.3 rebounds. If those two vets can teach these young, talented players how to win, this team could be something special. That's what I like most about bringing in Udoka, Van Fleet, and Brooks. These guys have been a part of successful NBA teams in recent in years. They know how to win basketball games. It can be a long time for young players to learn how to win, and the waiting process can be a while, but you can make that process go faster by trying to bring in guys who have been there before. Dylan Brooks has played in the Western Conference Finals. Fred Van Fleet has won an NBA championship. Ime Udoga has coached in the NBA Finals. The moment isn't too big for these guys. That's what you need on your team. You need guys who have been there before to help develop and grow the younger players, and the Rockets now have that. Now, the question is, have they picked the right guys? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe Fred Van Fleet will be worth this contract if he helps the development of Jalen Green into a superstar player. Maybe Dylan Brooks will be worth the contract if he helps develop Jabari Smith Jr. This offseason, they also added longtime NBA veteran Jeff Green, who just recently won the NBA championship with the Denver Nuggets. This guy is uber talented. He can still dunk the basketball, but more importantly, he has been in every scenario in-game situation in NBA history. This guy has been in the league a long time. He is a proven veteran. He knows how to be a leader. That might be the solid, quiet addition that the team needs. This team needs to surround their young players like Jalen Green with veterans who have won. It's worth noting that they were also trying to steal center Brooke Lopez from the Milwaukee Bucks. That would have been a great addition. Again, I think they would have overpaid for Brooke Lopez, but what is overpaying if it helps you develop a guy like Jalen Green into a superstar player? Former Rockets superstar Tracy McGrady believes the future of the team is going to come down to if the Rockets can keep Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. together for the long haul. Telling ESPN Houston, quote, the core group that they're going to have, if they can keep those guys together, which is going to be a challenge, if they can keep those guys together for quite some time, I think the Rockets might have something. But you know it's always a challenge. It's a lot of moving parts and pieces in this league. With all this money being thrown around, the pieces are there. We'll 
see what they do with it. I respectfully disagree with Tracy McGrady. I think it's insane to worry about losing star players before they become star players. And we hear it all the time. Oh, we have to worry about the money to pay this guy. Wait until the guy is a superstar player. We really don't know what Jalen Green is yet. Is he a guy who can put up numbers on a bad team? Or is he the type of player that you want to give a super max contract extension to? Well, nowadays you have to earn that. So if he gets all NBA team and becomes an MVP candidate, then you're going to want to pay him a boatload of money and the Rockets will do anything and everything to keep him on the team. To worry about losing a player before he's established himself is insane. Yes, on paper, it looks like the Houston Rockets have a bright future. But how many times has on paper gone sideways? On paper, the Minnesota Timberwolves had a bright future with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins together. That looked great. That looked like two of the best young players playing together. Guess what? That didn't work out. Andrew Wiggins, for whatever reason didn't live up to the hype in Minnesota. Now he's established himself with Golden State, but what does that do for Minnesota? Absolutely nothing. Sometimes we can look at these guys and go, they're already stars, but we have to wait and see. We don't know what Jalen Green is yet, and we don't know what Jabari Smith Jr. is yet. So to worry about the future payments for those players is ridiculous. Wait and see approach is what you should be doing. I like what the Rockets are doing. You surround these guys with guys like Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks to see what you have in them. If they can't work with these guys, then they're probably not going to work at all. Surround Jalen Green with as much talent as you can to see what you have in that player. I do understand the notion of worrying about spending. If you are a great team and you have multiple guys under max contract extensions in the new CBA, you probably won't be able to keep all of those players. But that is not something the Houston Rockets should be worrying about whatsoever. What the Houston Rockets should be worrying about is once again becoming a good NBA team. Don't jump the gun and presume that you need to keep this core together. You don't know what this core is yet. They only won 22 games last year. You're just now adding veterans to the mix. See what you have in these players before you dream about giving them max contract extensions. I do believe we're headed towards a place where teams are really going to look at players more closely and go, should I be giving this guy a max contract or should I move on? I'll end the podcast on this note. If I were a fan of the Houston Rockets, I would have mixed feelings about what they've done this offseason. On paper, yes, I want my team to spend a lot of money and bring in talent. I would question if they brought in the right guys. I like Fred Van Fleet a lot, but he would need to take his game to the next level to justify giving him that contract and the same for Dylan Brooks. I wasn't a big fan of what was going on with Dylan Brooks either last year. I don't think he's worth $85 million. I thought he might end up on a team on a one-year contract to try to bring back his value up. I guess I was wrong on that one. The Houston Rockets clearly believe in him more than most NBA fans and teams. I mean, after it was reported that the Memphis Grizzlies were bringing back Dylan Brooks on 
under no circumstances, I thought he was going to have a rough time getting paid during the offseason. We were all wrong. He walks away with $85 million. Maybe me not believing in him is wrong again. Maybe he's going to prove us all wrong. He has something to prove. The world is against him, and he has the money. He has the job security, and if he turns Houston around, we'll all be thinking Dylan Brooks is a very good NBA player again. Right now, I have mixed feelings on him, and I have mixed feelings on the future of the Houston Rockets. They've made their team better, no doubt, but the real question is, by how much? Thanks for listening to this edition of Head to Head. I'm Gam McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please rate, review, and subscribe.